0: Thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. If you have not, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight, where we have some amazing merch and plenty of other things for you guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, A Gaming Podcast.
1: Where we produce and develop the highest quality gaming research in podcast form.
0: I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I'm your host, Derek Baker. And today, we're heading back to the old we, The old wiggity waggity Nintendo Wii.
1: Stop saying Wii. This is a safe for work <laughs> podcast. Stop saying Wii. And wiggly.
0: listen. Listen. The Little Piggy didn't go wee 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 all the way home for us to not talk about. One of the greater, I don't know if the greatest, I might say the greatest games on the Wii. Um, And of course, we're going back to the old Nintendo family talking about Super Mario Galaxy.
1: Super Mario Galaxy was a ton of fun, man. I do think it was one of the greatest games on the Wii. And I think that it really did a great job highlighting how the Wii could be not only an interactive console, but a decent co-op console. This was sort of Mm -hmm. like the dream scenario if you ever had the little brother that was sitting beside you watching you play video games. You could say, hey, buddy, you want to grab another Wii remote and we could play together. And in the old days, you used to have to pretend. Like, oh, yeah, man, great job. You're doing all this stuff. But in this new Super Mario Galaxy, they actually could be doing stuff and pointing the controller at the screen and taking advantage of that. So it was taking the Wii's, you know, initial concept of being, like, a motion sensor, very interactive, physically interactive console and applying it to more traditional style games.
0: And it seemed like the Nintendo specific IPs were really the only ones to nail that down. I mean there's plenty of third party games that came out for the Wii that did all right, but it was more so in the fitness dance realm than in like a platformer <laughs> like Mario. And 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 Galaxy used that in a way that made it still feel like you can sit on the couch and play the game without being intensely physical.
1: Yeah, every once in a while, look, Nintendo, I know you gave us those reminders on the Wii. Hey, you should go outside.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, you
1: don't want to go outside? (laughs) Maybe do a little Zumba. Maybe do a little uh, Wii boarding or whatever that thing was. You know, obviously, uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding because they were really, I mean, they're right. And there are a lot of really great physical things that can't be done with that motion sensor activity. But for people who prefer more traditional games, Super Mario Galaxy did a really nice job of sort of just taking that uh, platforming concept, applying it to the Wii without making it super motion sensory impactful, similar to a lot of their Mm -hmm. other titles in that. And like I said, just making it a more inclusive game if you wanted to make it co-op. But let's talk a little bit more about Super Mario Galaxy, which is a 2007 platform action-adventure video game that was obviously developed and published by Nintendo for the Wii. It is the third 3D game in the Super Mario series. As Mario, the player embarks on a quest to rescue Princess Peach Super shocking, I know, Mm, but of course, obviously, on top of that, he had to save the universe from Bowser again. You're shocked. I understand. Mm -hmm. And collect 120 power stars. Whoa. Shocking. Once more after which the player can play the game as Luigi for a harder experience. And the levels in the game consist of galaxies filled with minor planets and worlds with different variations of gravity, the central element of the gameplay. The player character is controlled using the Wii Remote and Nunchuck and completes missions, fights bosses, and reaches certain areas to collect power stars. Certain levels use the motion-based Wii Remote functions. Nintendo EAD Tokyo began developing Super Mario Galaxy after the release of Donkey Kong Jungle Beat in late 2004. And if you remember that, that was the one that had the cool little congas that you played. One of the classic Nintendo games. Am I right, Alex?
0: Yeah, it was one of those that was interesting because you started... This was the era of experimentation with Nintendo. like. You know, having to go with a beat and like hit bongos to kind of like go with like the the rhythm of it and like rapid pace. And then again, with the Wii, it was kind of like, let's throw everything at the board to see what sticks. (laughs) Fishing rod, tennis racket, bongos, (laughs) dance pad, balance boards. The accessories (laughs)
1: were crazy for the the Wii remote. I worked at GameStop when the Wii was out and it was literally that it was like, oh, you want to play a fishing game? Real bass fishing, you're going to need mm-hmm. that fishing rod to make it feel good. That thing's not going to be weighted right. You got to have it. So, yeah, yeah you're absolutely that, right, yes. though. It was it was a weird experimental time, for sure. Mm-hmm. When Shigeru Miyamoto suggested that Nintendo should commission a large-scale Mario game, the concept for the use of spherical platforms originated from ideas used in Super Mario 128 a GameCube tech demo shown at Nintendo Space World in 2000. Nintendo aimed to make the game appeal to players of all ages, and the team had more freedom in designing it compared to other Super Mario games because of the outer space setting. The soundtrack was composed by Mahito Yukata and Koji Kondo, using a symphony orchestra for the first time in the series. Super Mario Galaxy was a critical and commercial success hailed as one of the best games in the series and one of the greatest video games of all time. At the time of its closure in 2019, Super Mario Galaxy was the highest rated game of all time on review aggregating site game rankings. It received outstanding critical acclaim, citing the game's graphics, gravity mechanics, and level design, soundtrack, setting, and story. It won several awards from top gaming publications, including multiple Game of the Year titles, and became the first Nintendo title to win the BAFTA Award for Best Game. The game is the ninth best-selling Wii game worldwide, with sales of $12.80 million. The game was released as a Nintendo Selects title in 2011, as a download via the Wii U's eShop in 2015, on the Nvidia Shield in China in 2018, and as part of the Super Mario 3D All-Stars collection for the Nintendo Switch in 2020. A sequel, Super Mario Galaxy 2, was released for the Wii in 2010.
0: So as you know, we said, it's a very powerful game in terms of draw, in terms of quality, in terms of what it created. And the only unfortunate thing is people like me and others who avoided the game at first because I wasn't on the Wii bandwagon. I had a Wii, but I was not a fan of uh, Skyward Sword. I was not a fan of Super Mario because I did not like that element of mobility in the controller. And on going back to it and then playing it again on the Switch, uh, there's definitely things I appreciate about that versus not having that element of it. Um, it's It seems like something that was gimmicky at the time, but still... They made it work. I, I feel the
1: same as you. You know, I bought a Wii pretty early on in the Wii cycle. I was one of the fortunate mm-hmm. few who was able to get his hands on one um, almost immediately after its release. And Wii Sports was fantastic. I loved being able to do all the motion sensor stuff. But after a while, you know, the Xbox 360 was sitting there and I'm playing the online games and having a good time, just relaxing. Yep. And it felt like all these Wii titles just really wanted me to be like standing, swinging around, doing all kinds of crazy things. Sometimes mm-hmm. it worked great. Sometimes it didn't. And it turned me off from the Wii. I sold mine and eventually bought one back, Um borrowed mario galaxy from a friend that was really the only reason that i played it and i was really surprised with how impressed i was with it because i i really do think this is a great game but i agree with you i think that the motion controls of the wii initially probably turned off a lot of people from the games that they um, initially would consider classics yeah, and initially would be titles that they would reach to unless you grew up with this console, in which case you probably have an entirely different perspective on these games.
0: And we've, we've heard that from some of you in our audience talking about how galaxy was your first experience in Mario. And it does hold that special place in your heart. You know, you grew up with the motion control that wasn't seen as like this extra controller in the space, but like the first one you picked up possibly. And so I think everyone, especially in the Nintendo series of games, I think all of us have had like this mark in our childhood. If you've played Nintendo, we're like, that's where you entered. And like, that's your favorite. Those are the titles that stick in your heart, like of bringing that childhood nostalgia and Galaxy for a lot of people, that's it. So I want to talk a little bit about um, EAD Tokyo. Um, we know that Nintendo has a lot of experimental divisions, a lot of different design divisions. And this one was created with the goal in mind to bring in fresh talent from the capital of Japan in Tokyo versus where a lot of their offices were in Kyoto. So shifting this up in 2002, trying to get a lot more people into the office, a lot more talent pool, and not having people travel hundreds of miles away. So in 2003, 20 members of the Entertainment Analysis and Development Division Kyoto volunteered to relocate to Nintendo's Tokyo office to expand development resources. These 20 volunteers were primarily from the Super Mario Sunshine team. Management saw it as a good opportunity to expand and recruit several developers who were more comfortable living in Tokyo than relocating. Taiko Shimizu, who was an original manager and producer, and Yoshiaki Koizumi, which was a director, began hiring several recruits in Tokyo coming from several established companies like Sega, Koei, and Square Enix. Shimizu and Koizumi jointly spearheaded their first project, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. This was followed in 2007 by the release of the critically and commercially acclaimed Super Mario Galaxy. And after the release of Galaxy, Koizumi was promoted to manager and producer and officially opened Tokyo Software Development Group Number 2. The Tokyo Group had veteran game developer Katsuya Uichi as its general manager, who also oversaw development operations for the Kyoto Software Development Department. So a little tidbit about this, just breaking into Nintendo, was trying to expand that team out, trying to get that talent pool built up. And to create even more games and better games and higher quality games and just more packed into games, especially like Super Mario Galaxy. And we've gone
1: into a lot of detail in past episodes about really the history of Nintendo and how their development process historically had gone from a pretty robust, big, wide, creative thing into a more uh, stringent hey, I want to uh, try and narrow down some of these departments. I want departments to exist that focus on very specific things. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of history there, especially if you go back to like our Legend of Zelda stuff. They really talk about how Nintendo narrowed down their development departments into departments like this one, where they are still experimenting a little bit more, but just trying to focus in on what is the Wii, what is a Super Mario game now, and things like that. Absolutely. So the concept for Super Mario Galaxy's gameplay originated from ideas taken from Super Mario 128, a technology demonstration shown at Nintendo Space World in 2000 to exemplify the processing power of the GameCube. The demonstration's director and future director of Super Mario Galaxy, Yoshiaka Koizumi, desired that one of the distinguishing features, spherical-based platforms, should be used in a future game, but was held back in belief that such a feature would be impossible for technical reasons. Super Mario creator Shigeru Miyamoto suggested working on the next large-scale Mario game after Nintendo EAD Tokyo finished development on Donkey Kong Jungle Beat in late 2004, pushing for the spherical platform concept to be realized. A prototype of the game's physics system took three months to build, where it was decided that the game's use of spherical platforms would be best suited to planetoids in an outer space environment, with the concept of gravity as a major feature. During development, the designers would often exchange ideas with Miyamoto from his office in Kyoto where he would make suggestions to the game design. And according to Koizumi, many ideas were conceived before development of the Wii console itself began. And that's really common mm-hmm. for all Nintendo games where Shigeru Miyamoto, he just he always had a vision for games and people were always going back to him and and bouncing ideas off him and he was really there as a a, a great creative director overall for a lot of these games that I'd consider classic from my childhood. And, you know, people that played Super Mario Galaxy as their first game would consider classic for their childhood. Very influential man.
0: And with Miyamoto and then, you know, even throwing Kanji Kondo in there, like having these basically integral people who've spent their entire lives with Nintendo and have kind of touched every piece of media that's come out of it. And you see the quality that Nintendo produces. No, it's not the most cutting edge 4k greedy looking graphics to it, but it's always been an insanely popular game with a new mechanic to draw you in. Even though, as we know, Mario and for the most part, Zelda have the same storyline. There are things that change slightly elements that change, but it's a simplistic storyline that they add around it and keep producing these games that people come back for. No matter what people think of the advanced versions of it or the Wii or the N64 or the Switch, it always sells well. It always does well. And you're seeing a lot of these land on these top 10 perfect lists of games. So like having that creative team that can always like work with each other and not try and outsource it to another studio to do this thing or, or build up that thing just shows how well this whole group works together.
1: You're absolutely right that those games parallel each other, especially in story. Mm -hmm. The one big difference that I could think between like a Super Mario title and a Legend of Zelda title going on early is that one was a lot about jumping and one was like, you can never jump. You're never going to be able to jump. (laughs) Maybe they thought of that as like a conscious decision. They're like, we have this game where guys are able to just jump off cliffs and stuff and jump and achieve impossible heights and go into the clouds but what if there was this other game where you can't jump at all and i'm sorry about
0: that yeah and what and the thing is it, it kept those two things going from jump man which eventually became mario and having that from like the old donkey kong arcade days of jumping and climbing eventually making its way to platforming and then having the opposite like you said uh, a rpg-esque side scroller that allowed you to go to multiple different squares and explore the story and face more combat and more puzzling than, quote you know, literally jumping to new heights.
1: So, as they expand those ideas, and similar to Legend of Zelda, one idea for Mario was to have a spin attack. And that came in the early stages of development. When it was decided that jumping on enemies on a spherical map would be too difficult for some players at one point, Koizumi remarked that making characters jump in a 3D environment was just absurd. And I sort of agree with that sentiment, Mm -hmm. especially on the spherical space. Takia Shimizu, the game's producer and programmer, noted that the most basic action in a 3D action game was to simply run and concluded that the easiest way to attack was to spin, not jump. Prior to the development team shifting focus on the Wii and realizing the potential of its different controls, the spin attack was originally planned to be executed by swiveling the analog stick on the GameCube controller. The spin was initially activated via rotation of the nunchuck's control stick, but after motion sensing was confirmed to be implemented in the Wii remote, the spin was changed to be activated through shaking the ladder. Nintendo president Satoru Iwata wanted to prioritize the game's fun factor by giving the player a sense of achievement after they have completed a difficult task. Iwata noted an increasing number of consumers giving up during a video game and thus wanted Super Mario Galaxy to appeal to that audience. In response, the development team created a co-op mode which allowed one player to control Mario whilst the other controlled the pointer with the Wii Remote, therefore enabling lesser-experienced players to enjoy themselves in the game, a la what Derek was talking about at the beginning of this episode, the Little Brother
0: mode. Exactly. The development team wanted the game to be enjoyed from the ages of 5 to 95. So during early stages of development, they took steps to ensure that the player would adjust to the game without difficulty. However, Miyamoto thought that it was too easy and lacked insensitivity, asserting that a game loses its excitement when it is made unchallenging. To balance out the difficulty, Koizumi suggested that Mario's health meter should have a maximum capacity of 3 instead of 8, but at the same time more 1-up mushrooms and checkpoints would be placed in the game. Koizumi said that he wanted to alter the game's intensity factor by limiting the number of hits the player could take to three, as opposed to Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Sunshine, which featured eight. Retrospectively, Iwata added that decreasing the health meter to three from eight is, quote, representative of the things that players do not notice that actually changes the gameplay dramatically.
1: I noticed because I'm bad. <laughs> but Listen,
0: it's a tough life out there. Yeah. With the concept of gravity and spherical platforms being the central elements of gameplay, the development team drafted several ideas on how to implement them into the game. Koichi Hayashida, a co-designer of the game, initially expressed skepticism of incorporating a spherical playing field into a jump-based platform game, stating that it would be a bad match. Shimizu also had a negative reaction to the idea, with his main concern being that the implementation of spherical platforms would be impossible to achieve due to technical reasons and felt a sense of danger when the plan was eventually approved. However, once Shimizu started debugging the game, he realized that the experience felt totally refresh, and thought that he was playing a game like nothing that's come before it. Fitoshi Shirai, the game's level designer, stated that unlike Hayashida and Shimizu, he had a positive impression of the new gameplay elements. Shirai liked the idea of being able to run on different types of planetoids and came up with designs such as planets in the shape of ice cream and apples. Because the game was in outer space, the team could devise ideas that would have otherwise been hard to implement in other Super Mario games. Shirai said that the benefit of working with a spherical-shaped world was that they could design and discover new things, with Kenta Motokura, the game's artist, similarly stating that the player would be continuously enjoying their adventure by traveling to new planets. Koizumi appreciated the free and open feel of developing the game, saying that it enabled the team to make the game more fun for the player, you know, not having those constraints of past Mario games of needing specifics on one, what's going to happen, but two, allowing those artists to roam free and create basically new ideas.
1: Throughout development, staff members enjoyed the level of freedom the game offered. In particular, the transforming abilities of Mario. Iwata noticed that Mario's B-suit was popular with women, and also stated that the titular character's other suits were designed to add variations to the gameplay. According to Hayashida, the idea to include transformations in the game came from Koizumi. One of the female members of staff who worked on Super Mario Galaxy wrote a note saying, I want to be Mario when asked by Koizumi what they wanted to transform Mario into. That's to to be clear. I want like a honeybee Mario, not I want to be Mario. That could be exactly misinterpreted. (laughs) But Shirai stated that the development team always discuss their ideas together and devise ways to incorporate an idea into the game and make it more entertaining. Iwata concluded that having the game take place in space was advantageous, as it was flexible enough to accommodate a wide range of ideas. After development was finished, the team reflected that the fundamental part of a Super Mario game was to make the player think about how fun it was to play the game itself, rather than simply finishing it. To accomplish this, Koizumi made sure that there were certain areas of the game which could be enjoyed by all types of people, including children. Shimizu added that Super Mario Galaxy's ulterior motive was to have everybody gather around the TV, as he felt that a game starring Mario was not necessarily something which could be enjoyed by playing alone. The game was made to support six different save files. Shimizu liked the idea of one player looking at the progress of another player and seeing how they compared against their own. Iwata stated that when the first Super Mario game was released, there used to be many more people gathering around the television who would enjoy watching the gameplay experience. Iwata asserted that well-made video games were more enjoyable to spectate and hoped that Super Mario Galaxy's cooperative mode would tempt someone who does not usually play video games to join. And I agree with that sentiment. But at the same time, it's no longer about gathering in front of the tv it's going on the internet yeah and watching people on twitch and watching people on youtube and we were in the cusp of that i think at this time so maybe a little bit of a a harder thing to understand now what used to be watching your older brother or your friend play a video game is now going on to twitch and watching someone who's way better at that video game play that video
0: game well and i think the other sentiment's correct i mean it Nintendo really brings people in who may not play video games otherwise. I mean, look at the Switch, who's brought an entirely new demographic of people who may not want to play those FPS games, but want to play Stardew Valley, want to play Mario Kart, want to play Animal Crossing. And it really does bridge that gap of wanting to watch people play, play at parties. And I know like, when the Switch's first commercials came out, which were super corny, Oh, we're on a rooftop. Oh, let's all pull our switches out. and Let's play some games together. Oh, but we're also at a diner. <laughs> let's play our switch at the park, you know. And then you, it's corny you as hell. click every time. Yeah. Oh, you and have room
1: for me? Oh, yeah, of course I have room for you.
0: Of course. Yeah, just, just click in here. Bring your switch over. Oh, we're all on our sweet New York roof. Fun. As corny as that was, the sentiment's there. It brings people together. You bring your switch with you. And it brought so many more people into the sphere. And so they're right. Like this is something that's always been on their mind is how do we make this enjoyable for others? Not just you and I playing this, Derek, but your, like you said, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, who is watching over your shoulder doing this thing, or who wants to jump in and play, or who wants some experience in it that may not be versed and grew up with this. And Nintendo... I think makes that so much more readily available than other systems.
1: Yeah, they do a great job. And really the cooperative mode, it's not for like you and I playing together, you know, you and I as adults playing a cooperative mode, that's more reserved for like an FPS or something like that. You and I would do a campaign on gears of war or something when we're teenagers, Mm -hmm. things like that. I mean, this really is like, The perfect game for maybe adult dad, you know, young uh, son or daughter and just kind of like having them join in without, you know, being able to enjoy yourself without totally ruining the experience and also actually being able to do something. And I think that that's a really cool thought. And so on top of all that stuff, just a really quick note, trading cards were released to celebrate the release of Super Mario Galaxy. And these helped amplify the publicity of the game. Each booster pack would have two regular cards, one trivia card, one standee, and one fun tat. And so that's another element to it. You can get that fun tat on, give it to your little brother, your son or daughter, or yourself, um yeah man just get the fun tats on
0: that's when you know you're a hard that wet rag
1: you love mario
0: (laughs) show the world (laughs) we've talked about it a little bit but let's go ahead and talk more about the gameplay um it is similar to other mario games but as we've talked about there are some elements added to it the Super Mario Galaxy is set in outer space, where Mario travels through different galaxies to collect power stars earned by completing missions, defeating a boss, or reaching a particular area. Each galaxy contains planetoids and orbiting structures for the player to explore. Each astronomical object has its own gravitational force, allowing the player to completely circumnavigate the planetoids, walking sideways or upside down the player can usually jump from one independent object and fall towards another one nearby. Although the main game plays in 3D, there are several areas in the game in which the player's movements are restricted to a 2D space. The game's main hub is the Comet Observatory, a spaceship which contains six domes that provide access to most of the game's 42 available galaxies, with each dome except one holding five five domes end with a boss level in which the objective is to defeat bowser or bowser jr and earn a special power star known as a grand star that gives the player access to the next dome the player only has access to one galaxy when they begin the game and as more power stars are collected more galaxies and stars become available the player is awarded the ability to play as luigi after collecting all 120 power stars as mario Once they're collected with both characters, the players rewarded one further challenge, which, upon completion, awards the player with the final two stars and two commemorative pictures of the characters that can be sent to the Wii message board.
1: So it's kind of cool to be able to play as Mario throughout this game and then go through and play as Luigi. I always felt like there was a weird obsession with Luigi. Like, oh, I want to play as him. Like I, I I don't know if it's the green hat. I kind of always felt like it was a little brother syndrome personified. Mm, I have okay. uh I have two nephews and uh one of them I don't know his favorite character, but one of them who is the younger one I know for sure his favorite character is Luigi, and I you know I've gotten him many different. Th- I I got him like the Hot Wheels, you know, Super Mario Kart thing or whatever but it doesn't come with a luigi card i had to get the luigi card for sure well of course but there's always been like this weird little obsession with luigi do you think that this game was fully thinking about little brother mentality am i just projecting my own life into this podcast what's happening
0: Maybe a bit of projection. So we've we've always had Luigi <laughs> as a secondary or tertiary character that you can be in a lot of the Mario games. Um, some you are saving Luigi, but others is a secondary character you unlock. And we see that in further games. We see that in Odyssey. We see that in others where you'll have a Luigi mode or some other secondary mode um, that you can do with that, um, usually as an NPC. Uh, but it's an addition added in that... I think instead of having to at least play as Mario, it gives you a, sh- a shift in dynamic, I would say. Um, so, audience, you you, you decide. I mean, yeah. Are you, seeing, are you seeing Derek on this? Or are you going... Uh-uh, Luigi uh-uh. gets beat
1: up a little bit. You know, like Paper Mario, he's kind of on the back burner. He's a little pathetic and like, Paper Mario. And then... Um, you know, there's uh, Luigi's Haunted Mansion. There's all the ghost mm-hmm. stuff. He's just, he's saving people, but he's also scared. He's always that secondary character. So I just always wondered about that. You know, obviously you, you beat the game as the main guy, quote unquote. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you want to play this again? Well, I guess you can be Luigi if you want. Yeah. Anyway, beyond that. Good choice. <laughs> let's <laughs> Let's talk about the controls because this is one of the the biggest I think dividers on this game if you grew up in in Alex and I's era, or if maybe this was mm. one of your first games, The player character is controlled via the Wii Remote and nunchuck, and while most of Mario's abilities are taken directly from super mario sixty four such as the long jump, wall jumps, and a variety of somersaults. A new feature called the Star Pointer that uses the Wii Remote's motion sensor is included. It is a cursor that appears when the Wii Remote Pointer is pointed at the screen. And the Star Pointer is used to pick up special compito shaped objects called Star Bits, which can then be shot to stun enemies, manipulate obstacles, or feed hungry Lumas, which are star-shaped sentient beings. If you've seen Rosalina, which is a part of this game, and Luma, or you've played Super Smash Brothers, that's the Luma. It's the little star
0: friend. Little chunky star friend.
1: The pointer can also latch onto small blue objects called pull stars, which can pull Mario through space. In certain levels that encase the player in a floating bubble, the star pointer is used to blow wind and maneuver the bubble. Early in the game, the player learns a new ability known as the spin technique, which has appeared in varying forms throughout the Super Mario franchise. In Super Mario Galaxy, the spin is primarily used for melee attacks to stun enemies and shatter objects, as well as triggering special propellers called sling stars or launch stars that launch Mario across large distances through space. The spin utility is also used for climbing vines, ice skating, unscrewing bolts, and for activating several power-ups. Other Wii remote functions are available for smaller quests, such as surfing aboard a mana ray or balancing atop a large ball and rolling it through an obstacle course. That was one of my least favorite parts of this game, but you can do
0: it. Yeah, any of the balanced ones were... Iffy, but I want to talk about the power ups because that is one thing that does shift game to game. And is, I think, at least for me, one of the coolest things to see on how they update Mario all the way back to like the Tanuki suit, Star Mario, and variations added to that. And each Mario game, I think, I don't know if everyone agrees, overall has done power ups well. I don't think there's a power up that I've seen that I'm like, that's just entirely useless. And most of the time, they do build them around the game. So nine power-ups grant Mario temporary abilities. For example, special mushrooms bestow the player with a bee, boo, or spring mushroom. The bee mushroom allows Mario to hover through the air, climb special walls, and walk on clouds and flowers. The boo mushroom allows him to float through the air, become transparent, and move through certain obstacles. And the spring mushroom allows him to jump to high areas that would otherwise be inaccessible. The fire flower allows Mario to throw fireballs at enemies, and the ice flower allows Mario to create hexagonal ice tiles to cover any liquid surface he walks on. The rainbow star grants Mario invincibility and lets him run faster, so, very much the same star that we see. Mario's health consists of a three piece health meter, which is depleted through contact with enemies and hazards. When swimming underwater, Mario has an air supply meter, which quickly depletes his main health meter if it runs out. Mario's health and air supply can be restored by collecting coins or through touching bubbles if underwater. When the health meter becomes empty, the player loses a life and must go back to a predetermined checkpoint. The health meter can temporarily expand to six units through the use of a life mushroom. Instant death can occur by being swallowed by quicksand or dark matter, by being crushed by hazards, or by falling into black holes in other bottomless pits. You know, Derek, what you and I have to deal with daily. <laughs>
1: Every time the we make this podcast, ex- I might as well be
0: playing Super Mario Galaxy exactly. It's just living the life of Mario. The player can obtain extra lives by collecting one up mushrooms, fifty coins without losing a life, or fifty star bits so we we see in this that they do the three health, which predicates into other games, especially in Odyssey. Odyssey has that three health meter, then you can get uh, basically, a heart that can expand it up to six, very much like Galaxy. So, Galaxy kind of sets a lot of those standards going forward, making it more of a challenge for the player, while still not being what I would say is a hard game. It still, it still has danger, yeah, but nothing that makes it Dark Souls esque. I think the
1: <laughs> yeah, Mario Dark Souls, Mario Souls. Mm-hmm. I would hate exactly. to play that game. <laughs> um, three hearts, I think is the, the happy medium, to be honest, like, uh, it was basically yeah. two hearts. If you played b- the, all the old school side scroller games. And then when they mm-hmm. did the first 3d thing with super Mario 64, it was really confusing how that life system worked. Cause it's like, you pick up coins and that heals you. You could just go underwater for a few seconds and all the, your life Heels, I don't know yeah. how all that stuff worked. I think that three mistakes is a good balance. And I think it fits pretty well in line with um the dichotomy between Mario and his enemies. Because most of the time, yeah. they're three-hit losses as well. So I, I think yeah, it balances with, like, that bosses. really, really well. And I think that that's a good idea. And it was good to continue doing that going forward.
0: Yeah, and and allowing what I I do like the option of, like, if you're lucky or, like, in Odyssey, if you pay for it or find it, getting those bonus bits of life can make those harder boss fights. Like, I know some people struggled with the dragon um, that you have to fight in Odyssey. Like, having some extra abilities with that definitely helped.
1: Who? not me. Couldn't be me. Oh, no. Mm, I've never seen one. I didn't even need it. It actually, it might have been me. (laughs)
0: Um, And then I do want to touch on real quick, just the multiplayer mode or little brother mode as we call it. So we have the co-op two player option called co-star mode in which one player controls Mario while the other uses only the Wii remote to control a second star pointer on screen to gather star bits and shoot them at enemies. The second player can also make Mario jump or the height of Mario's jump can be increased. If the first and second player press the a button at the same time, the second player can prevent some enemies from moving by aiming the pointer star at them and holding the A button. So keeping them kind of frozen or in place, making it, again, like you said, an element that doesn't have to happen, but makes it more fun for a sibling or a parent or whoever. Just not really well versed in gaming, Yeah, but this can be like those like dip in the toe in the pool of gaming of like some very simplistic things to do.
1: Absolutely, because uh, let's face it, sometimes there are people in your life that, are um they're not interested in gaming. They're not competitive sure. either. And they just kind of want to lay back and have a little bit of fun and hang out with you, but you want to play a game. And it's like, this is something great that we can do together. And I think that this particular thing gets carried over a little bit into like, uh, I can't go an episode without mentioning Pokemon apparently, but uh, like the <laughs> Let's Go series. Where you can grab another Switch remote and you guys can throw Pokeballs together at the same time and it improves your catch chances and little things like that. Or you can battle together at the same time. It's not necessarily a hard game at that point and I don't think Super Mario Galaxy ever was. But it does make a game like this that's a more relaxing game for you. Also something that you can include someone else in on. So I think that that's cool. Mm -hmm. So the most important part of every Mario game is obviously its story. Very compelling and very different every single time. So let's talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) The Centennial Star Festival is held to watch a comet in the Mushroom Kingdom. On the night of the Star Festival, Princess Peach discovers a star shaped creature called a Luma and invites Mario to come to the festival to see the Luma she discovered. Just as Mario arrives at the town, Bowser invades the Mushroom Kingdom in a fleet of airships. He invites Peach to his creation of his galaxy and removes Peach's castle from its foundations using a giant flying saucer and lifts it into outer space. Comic, one of Bowser's minions, launches Mario, who tried to rescue Princess Peach, into space and onto a small planet with his magic while Luma escapes from her hands. On the planet, he wakes up after being knocked unconscious and meets the Luma which Peach found earlier, along with the space princess Rosalina and her star-shaped companions, the Lumas. Rosalina describes herself as a watcher of the stars who uses the comet Observatory to travel across the universe. However, Bowser has stolen all of the power stars that act as the Observatory's power source, rendering it immobile. Bestowed with the power to travel through space through one of the Lumas, Mario sets off on a journey across the universe to reclaim the Power Stars and restore power to Rosalina's observatory. Along the way, he finds friends from the Mushroom Kingdom, such as Luigi and the Toads, while fighting Bowser and Bowser Jr. at certain points. Upon collecting enough Power Stars, the Comet Observatory flies to the center of the universe, where Bowser is holding Peach captive. While confronting Bowser, Mario learns that he plans to rule the entire universe with Peach and his side. Mario defeats Bowser and frees Peach, but one of the galaxy's planets collapses on itself becoming a supermassive black hole that begins consuming the entire universe. The Lumas sacrifice themselves and jump into the black hole to destroy it causing the black hole to collapse into a singularity, and the universe is recreated entirely as the singularity explodes in a huge supernova. Rosalina appears to Mario, revealing that dying stars are later reborn as new stars, so not the saddest ending. When the universe is recreated, Mario awakens in the Mushroom Kingdom, which was recreated in the supernova alongside Peach and Bowser, and he celebrates the new galaxy that has emerged in the skies. If the player collects 120 stars, Rosalina will thank the player, and with the reborn Lumas, leave aboard the Comet Observatory to travel the cosmos again. So, it's Super Mario 64's story. But Rosalina is Yoshi,
0: pretty much. Like it definitely. Uh, I don't want to say it. It's definitely more at stake than Super Mario 64 for it, sure. Yeah, and a well, universe versus a kingdom. I
1: think uh, in Mario 64, Peach bakes you a cake, so it's yes. What's you know?
0: Listen, if 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 we are going by pastry cake, count, cake steak, Super, yeah, cake steak right there. So uh, it is. It's it's a very if you look at the bare bones. Same story element seen through most of the Mario games. And as we advance on in video game and just in storytelling, um, that that does ever increase in terms of the, I don't want to say craziness, but the interestingness of the different worlds, planets, areas that you go to um, to achieve these goals for it. And Odyssey, I think again, has the exact same story with a couple people kind of replacing Bowser Jr. And and the the bunnies. but, still a really cool concept idea around it all. And that's really where Super Mario Galaxy was next-gen Mario. Yeah. It really was the Mario that shifted to the ones we see later down the road.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, we may, I'm making fun of the story, but at the same time, if you actually play the game, traveling through those different worlds and, like, running through them as they they really are these like 3D spherical objects that are kind of rotating with you and the mm-hmm. you know the gravity of the situation uh, this is a summary of that story but actually playing through that story and the goals are the same it is different and it feels bigger and it feels like a more a grandiose approach to like the Mario yep. Bowser dy- dynamic and maybe the in the same way that like the MCU suffers from its characters always have to be fighting a bigger bad guy, yeah. maybe Nintendo's characters have the same issue because you can't always have this be the end-of-the-world universe type of situation. But at the same time, you can and still create a fun game and still have the gameplay be fun. And the story not be the most important part, especially in video games like this. So,
0: Yeah, and almost creating different universes each time, which is great. Instead of having to follow linearness, we see a change in basically every Nintendo game. Making that big bad the same type of big bad, but different. Episodic in a way of like, a, a, like an anime or a cartoon show might be.
1: Yeah, maybe he's paper, maybe he's in space, either maybe he's painting things on the wall, but at the end mm-hmm. of the day, he's Bowser.
0: Egg exactly. I don't think so he lays about eggs. This. That's, oh, you're right. That is Yoshi. Yosh exactly. <laughs> let's talk about the, uh, the usage of music in this, because this is the first time we are having a, a, a full instrumentation of it, a full change in the way they're doing it, versus just having one person orchestrate it all. So during development, Mahito Yokota, who was in charge of the musical direction, originally wanted Super Mario Galaxy to have a Latin American style of music, and even had composed 28 tracks in that style. Latin American percussion instruments had already been featured in previous Super Mario installments, such as steel pans, bongo drums, and congas. For Super Mario Galaxy's theme, Yokota used Latin American instruments in a synthesizer to replicate the sounds featured in old science fiction films. The composition was approved by Yoshiaki Koizumi and the game's director and designer, but when Yokota presented it to the game's sound supervisor, Koji Kondo, he stated that it was no good. Ouch. When asked why his music was rejected, Kondo responded, quote, If somewhere in your mind you have an image that Mario is cute, please get rid of it. Incensed by the rejection, Yakoto almost resigned from his job but Kondo implied that Mario's character was cool and instructed him to try again.
1: Dude, that's brutal. Koji Kondo comes to you and says, if you, he listens to your music and says, if you think that this Mario guy is cute, purge it from your brain. It's done. Like, that's, he's saying nothing about the music at all, but everything Mm -hmm. about the music. That would be one of the most offensive things. As, as a musician, if someone came to me and said that, that would be one of the most offensive things that I could ever hear. That's brutal.
0: Well, especially when you're like, you've composed 28 tracks, you've composed most of what you have to have. And you're like, hey, I did this cool thing. I thought we should have this, you know, Latin American flair with it. I think it would go and he's like, yeah, okay, well, no, like you have, you have the wrong image in your mind. Like, and I get, I get being like, all right, well, you know what? I'm no good. I'll see you later.
1: That's but I think that's right up there with like never meet your heroes as a situation yeah. for Koji Kondo because he's obviously a very iconic game music designer, soundtrack designer. And he says that to you. It's like that could very quickly become like that guy is the worst.
0: Yeah. But, you know, as as harsh as that is, like Kondo knows what he's doing and he's like, listen, I'm not. Not putting you down, Mario's cool. Show me that. And so, according to Yokota, he was under the impression that Mario was suited for children, causing him to create cute music that would appeal to the targeted audience. Three months later, Yokota presented three different styles of music to Miyamoto. One piece had an orchestral sound, the other had pop music, and the last featured a mix of both orchestral and pop music. Miyamoto chose the orchestral piece. As it sounded the most space-like, Yokota stated that Miyamoto chose the piece without knowing that Kondo had actually wrote it. In a retrospective interview, Satoru Iwata said that Miyamoto chose the music that sounded space-like because he was looking for a sound that would express the game, in contrast to the tropical sounds of Super Mario Bros. Yokota revealed that he initially struggled to create music that sounded like a Super Mario game, but as time progressed. He declared that the songs he made for the game had become natural.
1: To create a sense of variety with the soundtrack, Yakoda and Kondo wrote pieces individually. Kondo composed five pieces for the game, whereas Yakoda composed the rest. Kondo composed the pieces that Yakoda specifically requested, as he thought that the game's soundtrack would, quote, end up all sounding the same if it were composed by one person. The game originally heavily utilized the Wii Remote speaker for all sorts of sound effects, but Masafumi Kawamura, the game's sound director, decided they were redundant when played in tandem with those from the television. Kawamura decided to restrict Wii Remote sound effects to those triggered by Mario's actions, such as hitting an enemy, feeling that it better immersed the player. The character's soundtrack features 28 orchestral songs performed by a 50-person symphony orchestra. Yokota initially had concerns whether or not orchestral music would fit in the rhythm of a Mario game, but thought that such music would make the scale of the game seem more epic. Kondo, on the other hand, believed if orchestral music were used, the player would be obligated to play the game in time to the music. To synchronize the soundtrack to gameplay, Kawamura utilized similar techniques he used to synchronize sound effects in The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker and Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, in which the game synchronizes MIDI data with streaming data, resulting in sound effects playing at the same time as background music. To make synchronization possible, the audio team requested the orchestra to perform at different tempos set with a metronome. Super interesting. Super difficult. Um. That's really amazing.
0: We see some of those elements actually really play out. I think when we get to new Super Mario Bros, when like the music's going and you hear ba-ba in the background, like the enemies will in time dance to it. So it adds that visual and sound element that even combines more of those elements in. And I get where Kano's coming from, saying that like, if you have orchestral music, you may feel like you have to play in time with that beat. Versus having like their old stuff of synthesizers and 8-bits and things like that, that just had it go along with the game. I agree and disagree with that on different points.
1: I mean, it kind of went from, I have to create a musical soundtrack within a very, very small amount of data. You know, this Mm -hmm. wasn't the Cocker's Bed for day of data where you had someone willing to devote most of the sound uh, to the memory. So, it's it's definitely very different. I think that asking them to perform at different intervals and synchronizing it within the game has definitely carried over to the newer Super Mario Bros. titles, and especially, like, you're right, in New Super Mario Bros., where it's like a ba-ba, and everything kind of speeds up or whatever. And all that stuff is really cool, and it, it creates a fun dynamic for the music. Mm-hmm. And I think it really helps you appreciate the music itself uh, because it's visually appealing as well. Where a video game is usually a video game first and a soundtrack second, Uh New Super Mario Brothers works in tandem in that regard. And Super Mario Galaxy is a soundtrack, is fantastic. Definitely one of the best Mario soundtracks, if not the best Mario soundtrack. There are a few tracks, if I remember right, I have, uh, I think it's the the 25th anniversary edition of Mario that came with a bunch of songs from all the different eras of, of Mario games, and I think there was some Galaxy stuff on there um, that was really, really cool. So, There's tracks out there. It's worth playing this game. It's worth listening to the soundtrack on its own, and the official soundtrack was released on January 24th in 2008. It was initially exclusive to Club Nintendo subscribers in Japan, although the soundtrack became available to European Club Nintendo members in November of 2008. The soundtrack was released in two versions, the original soundtrack, which only contains 28 tracks from the game, and the Platinum Edition, which contains another 53 tracks on a second disc for a total of 81 tracks. In North America, the original soundtrack was included in a Wii console bundle alongside New Super Mario Bros. Wii in 2011. Maybe that's what I have, because I have that red Wii. So maybe... I think yeah, it, was,
0: it was part of that, or was part of... There's also that Super Mario Brothers Red, like, 25th anniversary Yeah, one. the
1: little box that comes with all the mm-hmm. old ga- Mario All-Stars, basically. Yeah. I think came with that as well. I might have both. I might have it twice. I don't know.
0: Listen, twice is nice, what they say. <laughs> That's what they always say, Derek. Just I, I nice. just wanted to listen to Super Mario Galaxy so much. Twice is nice. Anyway, let's, let's, as we wind this down, let's talk about the release versions. In the 1000th issue of Famatsu, Miyamoto expressed his interest in making a sequel to Super Mario Galaxy. The game was originally called Super Mario Galaxy More during development because, I will say this, Nintendo, not the greatest at titles, but... It's not always good. But it does let you know, Derek, it is Super Mario Galaxy... With more,
1: the localization is always, I think, pretty good. For all I know, in Japan, yeah. this was called Super Mario Galaxy More. I don't know, and I don't know how they'd respond to that. But yeah, the localization has always been pretty. Good.
0: It's it's all right. But, but but Super Mario Galaxy More was initially going to feature variations of planets featured in Super Mario Galaxy. Over time, new elements and ideas were brought into the game, and it was decided that the game would be a full sequel. Super Mario Galaxy 2 was announced during the Nintendo Conference at E3 2009, held in Los Angeles. It was released on May 23, 2010, in North America, May 27, 2010, in Japan, and on June 11, 2010, in Europe. The sequel has been met with as much critical acclaim as its predecessor and has sold 6.36 million copies worldwide as of April 2011. Super Mario Galaxy, as well as several other Wii games, were released for Nvidia's Shield Tablet in China on March 22, 2018, as the result of a partnership between Nintendo, Nvidia, and IQE. I think that's how you pronounce it, I Q I Y I. The game runs on the Shield via an emulator but has interface and control modifications and supports for 1080p resolution. Due to the lack of motion controls on the Shield, some controls are remapped. For example, the on-screen pointer is remapped to the right analog stick and the button to choose a galaxy is remapped to the right trigger. The game is also included alongside super Mario 64 and super Mario sunshine in the super Mario 3d all-stars collection on the Nintendo switch. And that was released on September 18th, 2020.
1: And I picked up super Mario 3d all-stars and I was working my way through sunshine, Mm -hmm. which is a way harder game than the prior or the latter.
0: And I really need to go back to that and, and finish up It's the same Super Mario yeah. Galaxy. Yep, it's the same. I'm on Sunshine because that's one of my favorite Mario games of all time. And it is pretty darn difficult.
1: It is challenging. Super Mario Galaxy has received critical acclaim, becoming the sixth highest rated game of all time on Metacritic, having an aggregate score of 97 out of 100 based on 73 reviews. On game rankings, it is the highest rated game with at least 20 reviews, having a 97.64% ranking on 78 reviews. The visuals and presentation were the most praised aspects of the game. Chris Scullion of the official Nintendo Magazine asserted that the graphics pushed the Wii into its full potential, and stated that its visual effects and large playing areas would constantly astound the player. Regarding the presentation, Game Revolution's Chris Hudak thought that Super Mario Galaxy was a next-gen reincarnation of Super Mario 64, stating the game was polished, engaging, and evocative. The gameplay, in particular the gravity mechanics and use of the Wii Remote, was also praised. A reviewer from Famitsu commented on the game's tempo, believing it was abnormally good, and that the different variations in level design and difficulty gradually builds things up. Patrick Shaw from GamePro asserted that the new gameplay mechanics reinvigorated the Super Mario franchise, and summarized by saying it was the best title since Super Mario 64. The soundtrack and audio were well-received by critics. Skolian believed it to be the best out of any Super Mario game, declaring that each track matches the environments featured throughout the game. Super Mario Galaxy has been a commercial success, selling 350,000 units in Japan within its first few weeks of sale. In the United States, the game sold 500,000 units within its first week of release, earning it the highest first-week sales for a Mario game in the country at the time. The MPD Group reported that 1.4 million copies of the game were sold in the U.S. in December 2007, making it the highest-selling game of the month, and that the game had become the fifth best-selling game of 2007, with 2.52 million units having been sold since its release. After 13 months, it had sold 7.66 million copies worldwide, and by January 2010, the game had sold 4.1 million units in the United States, and by February, it had become one of nine Wii titles to surpass 5 million unit sales in the country. By the end of March of 2020, Nintendo had sold 12.8 million copies of the game worldwide, making it the third best-selling non-bundled Wii game, and the ninth best-selling Nintendo published game for the Wii. Super Mario Galaxy received Game of the Year 2007 awards from IGN, GameSpot, Nintendo Power, Kotaku, and Yahoo Games. The game was also perceived as the highest-ranking title in 2007, according to the review aggregator Game Rankings. In 2008 of February, Super Mario Galaxy received the Adventure Game of the Year Award from the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences at the 11th Annual Interactive Achievement Awards, now known as the DICE Awards. And it was nominated for Overall Game of the Year, Console Game of the Year, Outstanding Achievement in Game Design, Outstanding Achievement in Gameplay Engineering, and outstanding innovation in gaming. Super Mario Galaxy placed third in the official Nintendo Magazine's 100 Greatest Nintendo Games of All Time list. Guinness World Records ranked Super Mario Galaxy 29th in their list of top 50 console games of all time based on initial impact and lasting legacy. In their final issue, the official Nintendo magazine ranked Super Mario Galaxy as the greatest Nintendo game of all time.
0: So you really see the impact that this change of play, this change of gameplay style, really skyrocketed this into innovation, into change, into how do you use this console that has been seen as gimmicky, that has been seen as like, hey, Wii Sports... And that one Zelda crossbow game, and that's it. You know, as these games <laughs> that have really pushed that motion idea. And I wouldn't say that they they pushed the envelope with the motion idea on this, but implemented it in such a way that it smoothly integrates into this new element of gravity, planet hopping, 3D spherical worlds, and all of it works really well together. And As I said, with Mario Galaxy 2, it leads into that as well that did amazing and built on the predecessor to be an even better game and improve on some of those shortcomings, which there were really very few of it, that improved in the second one. And so, we've said a lot about it, but as always, Derek, let the people know, why did we choose this game and what do you think of
1: it? All the things that you just said. Really great. And I 100% agree with the Super Mario 64 comparison to this game Mm -hmm. super mario sunshine is a great game i have a lot of fun with that game but it definitely has a very different dynamics and i do find it very difficult in comparison to those two games because it's less platformer and more like mystery combined with action platformer Mm -hmm. where these you know super mario 64 and uh super mario galaxy were really Mario at its core in the 3D setting. Yeah. And I think that's why people trended more towards this game as being one of the greatest of all time versus Sunshine. That's not to say that people didn't also love Sunshine because it is great, but Mario Galaxy fits better in that traditional mold of Mario, in my opinion. I would say so. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think that this game is great. I think that adding the gravity element, this is perfect for a platformer. Mm -hmm. I think that's the best thing that they did. It's so simplistic. It probably wasn't like the most difficult thing. The mechanics that they added for the Wii Remote, the little brother mode, as we're going to call it forever from now on. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All those things made a really, really great game. As someone who grew up and loved Super Mario 64, and as someone who uh, loves nostalgia, Super Mario Galaxy hit a lot of those notes, but they made them different and unique. Because to me, and maybe I'm rambling here, to me Super Mario Odyssey is more like Super Mario 64 in that I feel like I'm getting more of the nostalgia hits sure, than I am new gameplay. And Galaxy is both new gameplay and nostalgia hits. And I love it. It's 9 out of 10 for me. What about you?
0: Yeah, because each generation, we get what I would call a core Mario game. Uh, Mario 64, uh, Galaxy, kind of Sunshine. Like, that was the GameCube game we got. I would say it broke a little more of the mold. To keep in that quote unquote, like simplistic mainline platformer. But we do. We receive like one of those a generation. And I think Galaxy, like you said, hits 64. 64, both Ocarina of Time in terms of Zelda and in terms of Mario 64, are the cornerstones of that gameplay. Bringing the 3D realm, and we see, and both respectively, in Breath of the Wild and Odyssey. This is the next gen of that gen that we had way back when. It 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 takes the simplicity of both those games in, in Odyssey and that. And adds some elements to it, adds a lot of elements to some of them, but keeps it very core at its base. And I think that's what Galaxy did for that generation in the Wii. It's different enough to not feel like Mario Sixty Four on the Wii, but it's reminiscent of it keeping the gameplay elements of your jumps. Your, your, your tumbles, your triple jumps, all these other things, keeping those elements but adding to it. And I don't think we saw that in the Wii U era of trying to get new Super Mario Brothers Wii and Wii U. They were trying to be reminiscent of your side scrolly bits and they were more for like your four player couch co op type stuff. And it was fun, but it didn't carry nearly as much weight as Galaxy did.
1: And it was different to me. The Wii U era is a it's a forgotten era.
0: It is, it is, and it was an ex, it was an experimentation era where some of those games came to the Switch, like Mario Kart Eight, um, that reported over. And it was we were basically playing a beta. All
1: the good stuff from Wii U is now on the Switch. Yeah, so and it's...
0: and we basically played the beta of the Switch. We were playing yeah. kind of a a a development unit of it. Is basically what the Wii U was. That skipping generation, we did not see something like this. And so for both Galaxy 1 and 2 to do so well and to be some people's first Mario games and succeed so well and so overtly compared to other games with that, it's a testament to it standing up. Even being on the quote-unquote gimmicky console for a lot of hardcore gamers. It brought so many more people into the gaming sphere. It brought so many more people to Mario. And I don't. we wouldn't have a lot of what we have today in Nintendo if it wasn't for the Wii, and even Wii U, experimentation. This was an era of experimentation. What works? What can we do with these things? And eventually we get off of that motion control of it for the most part, but we take so much of the good that came out of that era and apply it to the Switch. And that's why the Switch, not only being handheld and portable, but is such a dominant unit when it comes to these console games like that. So if I had to give it a rating, I would give it um, the Ice Cream Planet, which is really cool. Um, out of the Planet, where there's a mole going back and forth and you have to like butt slam that thing, because that's pretty cool. Um, out of Little Chubby <laughs> Stars, because what's cuter than that? Um, out of... Um basically Mario ending uh life as is and creating an alternate timeline by a black hole um supernovaing and destroying everything but recreating it um some might see that as Mario as the true creator of his own universe out of ten
1: that's uh I agree with everything you said before you started rating it <laughs> Ra- but, yeah um, no, I understand
0: the rating's perfect, but everything else was. Is-
1: yeah well. Research for this episode was done by Alex Kendall and Derek Baker. The intro and outro music was composed and recorded by our friend Evan Barr.
0: And our podcast artwork
1: was given to us by our friend Aaron Shattuck.
0: Beautiful people. Also want to thank those uh, beautiful people over at our Patreon. If you want to help us out, this is one of the biggest ways you can do it. We've got a lot of perks over there, including physical rewards, bonus episodes, post shows, our D&D adventure, our Minecraft server, and plenty more. And if you see something that you don't see, which I guess doesn't make any sense, but if you do and you don't, let us know. Like we're always trying to improve this thing for those who support us and who want to support us. Um, And we want to thank a select few today with Sky the Bear, Mr. Choff, Nick Hyman, Mick Chief, Climbing Spork, Mr. 1898, and Lee Tom John. So thank you all so much for the support.
1: You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you haven't yet, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you guys, and it helps us out a lot.
0: And as always, you can check us out over on Twitch. You can check me out at twitch.tv slash sourman70. That's twitch.tv slash sourman m a n seventy. And Derek over at twitch.tv slash thebakerman247. That is twitch.tv slash thebakerman two. 4-7.
1: You can follow us on Instagram, also Twitter, and if you haven't yet, join our Discord. It is free to join. Alex and I are in there all the time, hanging out, and it's a good time, and we'd love to see you there.
0: And thank you for shooting into our coverage of Super Mario Galaxy. Did you play this as a kid when you are growing up? Is it played on the Switch with the new 3D All-Stars? Or were you like me and avoided it for the longest time and eventually dipped the toes in? Let us know. As always, I am your host, Alex Kendall.
1: And I am your host, Luigi.
0: This has been Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast.